Jesus Christ. Amen. People, and especially children, always take notice of the pink candle today. And certainly you should, since it stands out from the rest on the Advent wreath. You kind of, I think the altar guild must have went crazy on the oil, because it's really burning today. All right, which isn't a bad thing, but it's really standing out. If you come up and look, you can see it for sure. But it's lit, maybe you don't know, as the midway point for the Advent season. We kind of have that similar thing happen in Lent, right? And if also, frankly, if you need a reminder for shopping days, you're two weeks away, literally from Christmas. The third Sunday in Advent has a more historic name, Gaudate Sunday, or it's to say, Rejoice. It's there in our Old Testament reading. If you, you heard it right there at the end. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and, sorrow and sighing. The third Sunday in Advent, with that emphasis of that darkness being cast out and finally at last being done with, also comes with holding that deep tension as we kind of recognize, especially as Lutherans, as we feel in this life, saint and sinner, the reality of the law and the gospel and all these things. And you sense it, especially in our gospel reading with John the baptizer, he's in prison over preaching repentance. And of course, you know, he preached it to Herod, who had a lot of authority. No kingdom at hand, it seemed, right? And so word went to Jesus asking a big question. Are you the one? Christians should not pretend. We are vaccinated from doubts and struggles before life. It may just be the opposite. James, the brother of Jesus who wrote his letter that we hear today in 50 A.D., to Jewish Christians at Jerusalem and scattered abroad, these were facing grave misfortunes. Plenty have said to me about that kind of misfortunes in life, from big and small. But really, I've always heard it come down to a similar statement when I thought about it, how waiting is the hardest part. Whether it's a surgery, whether it's about having to say goodbye to that loved one, it, waiting is it's the worst. And yet it does serve in that time of deep tension of waiting. It does serve a purpose. It redirects us rightly to God. Waiting on the Lord calls upon his visitation, even while Jesus is to come, yes, again in glory. And so good news stands out. Be patient. James refers us to an image of a farmer in his field after planting. There is precious fruit there, but it's not going to be the scene anytime soon. Succeeds waiting uh, by children to open presents. I remember when I grew up to your kids, here to open presents, building up underneath the Christmas tree, unless they pop up there on Christmas Day. But that eagerness... Right? 
But the farmer waits a lot more than just a month or whatever, but months. And of course, this relates naturally to the way of life, about how we have to wait to grow up, wait for those changes for maybe a future spouse, a pregnancy, however it may be, we're stuck in that. And how much more, though, with the Lord of life? Jesus is actually the ultimate farmer, you see? Patiently at work, he's been doing it for a long time, by his word and sacraments, planting the good seed. Precious fruit already won by our Savior comes before us by that perfect sacrifice that came out of the grave. And his baptized are even called precious stones built on Christ, the sure foundation. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Patience surpasses what comes from what I think a lot of times we fall into today, which we think is, well... We get that patience when we get age and we get experience, and there's some truth to that, but not totally. It's about the condition of the heart when we're talking about patience. The need is for faith against the pains and problems of life, and it's because, frankly, the Lord is at hand. Another word, maybe you didn't know, during Advent, the Greek Orthodox Church, from what I understand, uses the word quite a bit. But the word in Advent is parousia. It's a Greek word. It means coming. But it has a very strong intensity about the nearness of Jesus as God for us. That nearness so close that it's already actively happening presently in the world, a sinful world. Soon we celebrate Christmas, but the strengthening of hearts for joy needs a godly patience different than waiting to open presents. It needs a parousia. Jesus lives. So in Christmas, we can still say, Christ is risen. He is risen we like to mix things up anyway as Lutherans, right? We have the donkey stuff. Jesus is riding in the opening of the, of the, of the uh, church year calendar. We have John the baptizer, so we can say Christ is risen too. All right, we'll mix it all up. But the big thing is, is behind or beyond hardships of sin, death, and the devil is Jesus Christ. And his gracious gift is a gracious gift, is a final culmination, a final all coming together, a fullness, not with less, but with more from him. And so grumbling at the present ensures more than going nowhere in life. James emphasizes a different kind of grumbling. You've heard preachers and myself talk about grumbling with Israel, but not about the wilderness, you see. It's a little different kind of grumbling. This would be more like the groaning that came out of Egypt when God's people were literally suffering in slavery for about 400 years, and there was no change in that environment. And they were groaning. And St. Paul refers to that same word very similarly to how our bodies are in this life. Because when we get older, we start to groan. Because we don't just get wrinkles on the outside, but you get arthritis on the inside. Aches and pains. 
And so St. Paul says, for a while we're still in this tent, the mortal body. We groan, being burdened, not that we should be unclothed, but that we should be further clothed so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Rejoice. Not just you get to go to heaven, but there is a resurrection of the body, your body, a body that will not have those pains and problems so battered in this life of sin. James, as the bishop to the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem, knows not just from the inside, but on the outside, how they were suffering poverty and persecution from their own family members who were the Jewish people. But they were rejecting them because they were Christian. They were confessing Jesus. And that also caused them to lash out against each other. This festering continued, of course, would only increase unbelief against God. And really, what James is getting at is it was a sign of judgment. And it's to be taken very seriously. And so this is not about uh, today, about rejoice in Advent. It's not about put on your happy face kind of Christianity. And it's not about Best bury your suffering so no one else is troubled by that. We hear that a lot of times. Not about any of it. It's grumbling that has forgotten how to rejoice. What that means is how to go to God rightly and receive from God what he gives of grace before all the hardships. This judging is a slandering, then, this grumbling within a church, and even ignoring the troubles we are to bear as the body of Christ right here at Zion. And it can be very different than compared to St. Peter's in Huntington. Okay? And this festering is a hard thing because such an attitude against God's law hurts relationships within the body, And frankly, it gets us absolutely nowhere. It invites an impatience, too, that calls for alarm and a need to return to repentant faith. Behold, at the door. And that's a very strong word that's relational to communion, because the door of our life is where Christ enters through our mouths to eat and drink of his great sacrifice that binds us together with his forgiveness and to learn to love, no matter what time or space we're in. Great comfort remains to bless us then by the Lord's visitation in these days. As the Old Testament serves to warn us about things we should avoid, so the prophets come as examples of suffering and patience. The Jewish Christians James was addressing, you have to know, they knew the Old Testament better than we did. And the Gentiles would come later to learn to respect what it meant. As the Concordia commentator notes about this book of James and this text today, not even a single one of the most renowned prophets was was spared from affliction. Therefore, adversity is anticipated for all Christians. Think about that. All the prophets didn't get out of it. They all bear some kind of suffering 
for the sake of God's word and his name. Of course, against this backdrop of suffering, we know the last prophet was John the baptizer. And, of course, he stayed his course. Right there in prison, what John received from Christ, James applies to all the prophets. Behold, we consider those who blessed who remain steadfast. And what did Jesus say to all of us? Blessed is the one who is not offended by me. To be steadfast is to endure. That's what the word means. It means to hold out. It means to stand firm on God's saving word where he comes to bless even beyond the pains of death. He'll cast out even that fear. James goes straight to Job, right? He has lots of lists he could talk about, but Job he goes to a life chocked full of loss and questions, but God's purpose prevailed for him. He got back double-fold what he lost, but I'm sure he had some grief over what he used to have and didn't have those kids and wife and stuff like that, but he had new things God gave him to enjoy for life. Seeing the purpose of the Lord, though, for us revealed by the gospel today has only become a brighter light. Job directs us to Jesus, and the Father judged him rightly to set his peace one before all our griefs. That's that growing light of Christmas that consumes the darkness when Jesus comes. Christ met all darkness head on, and his love lifted up on the cross, lives and reigns as God's great proclamation. Name it, and Jesus comes to say, I died for it. I know it. Betrayal. Sin, shame, I know it. Even bodily suffering, Jesus knows, to the deepest levels of every cell. He suffers it with joy. And so, the joy of Christmas, or weighing out life, and we like to do that, is to keep visiting the gospel. You heard what James, how James described it. How the Lord is... We like the word is, right? As Lutherans, this is my body. This is my blood. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. This compassion goes beyond the Good Samaritan. You've had a lot of good sermons on that. Good Samaritan to strangers, right? But these words refer a very unique word that means abundant compassion to those suffering for the name of Jesus. Isaiah saw that kind of steadfast claim of Christ. You heard it today. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. He will take charge of it. With the recompense of God, with the reward that God plans to give. Not our rewards, not what we want to get, but what God comes to give. And he says, he will come and save you. And so as parousia is to Advent, so tidings is also for this time of the year, right? You don't really hear the word tidings, unless you're maybe getting tied for cleaving your clothes, I suppose, right? But tidings is mostly associated with caroling. We sang it yesterday 
with God rest you merry gentlemen. People know it's for this time of the year. It's set apart really for that. Tidings. And it's fitting for the third Advent season, a Sunday in Advent. The refrain goes, you know it, O tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy, O tidings of comfort and joy. The tension and trials are real. But the tidings of Christ and his return only draw closer. Amen. The peace of God that passes all understanding be with your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting in him who comes in glory. Amen. Singing not the Tadeum, but as you turn into your hymnal, we'll be singing the Benedictus, which is the song of Zechariah. I just had to do it, and we've already learned it before, but this is our first time with the full service. But we had to do it. This is uh, John the Baptizer's dad. And so we will sing with Zechariah the Benedictus on page 226. Please rise.